What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Business of Strength podcast. I'll be your host today, Dan Goodman. We had an unbelievable guest that joined the show, Anthony Reyna. We had the opportunity to interview the interviewer, which I think you all are really going to enjoy. Anthony's been around the fitness game for decades. He is a master connector is involved in so many different projects that have a lot of visibility, uh, published author, uh, host of the Strength Coach podcast, Strength Coach TV, um, partnered up with Mike Boyle on a lot of different projects, former gym owner, somebody that was able to sell his gym. For anybody that is a young strength entrepreneur, a seasoned strength entrepreneur, this is an episode that you are really going to enjoy. I hope you I hope you like it. And as always, five star reviews on the podcast are much, much appreciated. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. So Anthony, thanks so much for being on the show today. Obviously, I'm super excited to interview the interviewer. Um, you know, for the people that don't know of, of you or don't know what you've done in this in this industry, can you give a little bit of a backstory as to, you know, why, uh, why we're here and we're so excited to have you as a guest? <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having me on. It is always fun to, uh, the pressure, as you know, of like even pressing record, like, did I press record? You know, there's nothing. All I have to do is talk, which is good, right? right. I don't, I'm not responsible <laughs> for anything. So I do like being on this end. Um, yeah, so I got in the fitness business after about 18 years in the bar business. And that was in 2004. I started working at Equinox, did that for a few years. You know, hit the ceiling, the typical personal trainer trajectory, right? Where we, we get excited, we do really well, our book is filled, but we hit that ceiling working for somebody else. So mm -hmm. for me, I went out on my own and um, I knew, you know, back then I knew 2005, 2006, I think it was 2006, video was coming, YouTube was just starting, it looked like everybody, hey, we're, it's, it was perfect for our industry. And I decided to get a, um, a Mac and a, and a video, a, a video camera. So I did, and I, I noticed something that said podcast within, you know, the, they, they give you some, some platform or some programs. And one of those was GarageBand. And I just clicked on it and just, you know, exploring and it said podcast. And I was like, what's a podcast? So I started listening to podcasts about podcasting and I got the book podcasting for dummies. Then at the time I was looking for an additional revenue stream because I think it's important that we have these additional varied revenue streams to help us. And so I had a golf website where I was selling golf products and, and becoming a resource for golfers. And basically I started a, the better golf with fitness podcast and I kind of got my chops there. And when Mike Boyle switched over from michaelboyle.biz, which, which was just a forum. And this was an amazing forum. It had on like guys like Charlie Weingruff and Patrick Ward and Dave Tenney and Sean Skeen and Mike Potenza, all guys that went on to work in the pros and, you know, so many people, Bob Alejo. It was amazing. The conversations were amazing. Eric Cressy was on there. And so basically Mike was switching over. There was a dying site called sportspecific.com and Mike was switching over. Was Mike was going to take half of that and call it strengthcoach.com. And for me, um, I was pretty excited because I was getting to know Mike through the forum and through functional, you know, going up and seeing him and, uh, you know, whatever lectures and, and hiring him in certain areas. So I, I knew the head of the Equinox Fitness Training Institute and I introduced her to him and, and she started booking him. And uh, I had, my buddy had a gym, we got Mike to come down. Uh, and so I was doing, you know, just, I loved it. I loved having Mike in, I loved listening to him. So I was like, this is great. But when that happened, when he was gonna take over sportspecific.com, Everybody on michaelboyle.biz was so mad because they were like, hey, Mike, you're selling out and you're going in with this internet marketer. And they were all mad. And I was thinking, why are people mad? It's okay. It's 10 bucks a month. We're going right. to pay to kind of keep this great, uh, this great thing going. But at the time, you know, when everybody was complaining, I called Mike. I said, Mike, I got a great idea for you. I know you probably never heard of it. It's something called a podcast, but it's new. This is 2007. Don't forget. Uh, so it's new and um, basically it's like a radio show for 
the internet. And I said, I already talked to perform better. They're going to sponsor it. And so I was happy because I was going to start to make a little money as a additional revenue stream. Of course. I said, but Mike, here's what you have to do. Just get on the phone with me every other week. I'll call you. We'll talk about things that are going on, articles that you're putting on the site, uh, videos. We'll talk about the forum, any topics that are coming up. And it'll be a really good advertisement for your site. Mike was like, eh, sounds good. I don't know what it is, but you know what? I trust you. Let's go. By the way, that trust that Mike had for me was built upon me doing a lot of stuff for Mike. You know, I was helping him with you know, booking them gigs and not really booking, but I did, I booked the one gig, but introducing the people and being, being somebody who was there, you know, to support him, whether it was functional strength coach or whatever. So Mike was all for it. And that was the start of the strength coach podcast. And that has led me to so many things. And I always say, you know, the lesson in that is number one, keep your eyes open for opportunity. Everybody else was complaining without, you know, where I feel like I provided a solution. I, I didn't provide a solution really because there was no problem for me. I was like, I'll pay the 10 bucks, but right. everybody was complaining about being in there. And I was thinking, how can I help Mike? How can I help this guy who's helped me so much? And I thought the pipe, and by the way, that was a win, win, win. I felt like it was a win for me. I would start making some money. Uh, you know, through doing the podcast and getting my name out there, I would help Mike promote his site and I would help perform better. Uh, get their name out there by us being associated. They were already associated with Mike, but continuing to associate with Mike and getting, getting the word out there. So that's so, really where. So you, you, you touched upon so many things that I, that I want to, you know, okay. go back on and, and just really hammer home. And I know a lot of this stuff getting on the phone with you and, you know, you obviously presenting to, to our SYP team and, you know, it, it's, we've had the good fortune of, of having proximity to you and your story. And it's, it's been awesome, but for somebody like yourself, it's easy to tell that you are, uh, you have an uncanny ability to connect, speak, and, you know, a lot of people, especially coaches, they'll hide behind certifications. They'll just keep hammering home the training thing, thinking that, that's going to get them more opportunities to say, write a book, uh, get on a podcast, be featured um, in a magazine or things like that. I mean, and, and, go, and circling back to your time in the bar business, it would, we have to talk a little bit about that because I'm sure that helped you with your ability to communicate. So if somebody was struggling in this realm, like what type of advice would you give them? And, you know, how, how can somebody improve on their ability to be the ultimate go-giver like yourself? Yeah, I think it comes with the confidence of those connections. So it's always trying to, you know, get out of the comfort zone a little bit and start to connect with people. So for example, Jenny Rurick, who coincidentally today I'm posting an episode 299 of the Strength Coach Podcast, and I'm starting a new segment with Jenny called Fit to Speak. But Jenny had one of this, it's really about communication for professionals. And, and Jenny had this advice for people that sometimes were a little bit shy or worried about speaking with people. So everybody goes to the supermarket or you go to Target or whatever, and 99% of the time they have a name tag someone has a name tag on their shirt. So what she was saying, when you're checking out, say, hey, Dan, how you doing today? And using that person's name, when you use a person's name. It's a superpower. Yeah, it really starts to connect. And it, it not only makes them feel like a person, mm -hmm. but it also makes you feel like you know them all of a sudden just because you use the name hey dan how you doing you know mm -hmm. how, how you doing today thanks dan you're using the name a few times it was one way to start to get the com confidence to break the ice and once you start doing that you start to maybe talk about something else like for example if you're outside or you see something happen you look at somebody next to you and you just say something right my younger brother had a amazing ability to do that and i always said i wish i smoked right and this is ridiculous but smokers always you know like they huddle up into like they have to they sit there and they're and but they always end up talking to each other i'm right. like see i, I want to smoke so i can start to meet more people like my brother but 
that's really what it's about is really getting out of the comfort zone and taking that first step. And that really leads to, for me, I was so afraid of video in the beginning. When I got that video camera, my wife, I wouldn't even let my wife shut the door, go in the basement and I would film my videos. Right. But after a while you just keep doing it and you're like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. got to do it. So it really is kind of stepping out and taking action. The most successful people have a bias for action. So yep. it's taking action to say, how can I do this? How can I become better? Joining Toastmasters and all that is great. But at the same time, it's these little steps that are going to develop confidence. Absolutely. It's seeking and seizing the opportunity. I know for, for myself, I, I was I never had trouble speaking with people in person, interpersonal communication was never a problem. But for me, forget video. I couldn't, I couldn't even record anything like this. And eventually I was like, man, I have to get over this fear. And I started taking my iPhone, setting it up on uh, the record on my commute home. And it sounds like totally wild, but just started recording myself speaking about training or speaking about the fitness business. And you do it enough and now it feels automatic where, you know, if I just would have shied away from it forever, and it's just funny to hear yourself like go in the basement, you know, recording video, it doesn't happen overnight. There's no such thing as an overnight success. And you have to be able to feel uncomfortable with seeking and seizing opportunity. And that's what you did. You know, another word I like to use is being intentional, right? right? You have to be intentional about what it is you want. You have to be intentional about those goals that you have and, and intentional about, again, taking action mm -hmm. to what you want to do. So being intentional, like you were intentional by putting that phone up, you know, on the, on the, uh, in the car and just talk or on the commute and just talking and, and going there. You have to do something. You have to take action. Otherwise, totally. you're going to be sitting there not, you know, it back in the same spot. Totally. Speaking of action, you get to meet and speak to the brightest minds in our industry. And it's, it's amazing. Having all the experience that you have and seeing, obviously, the year 2020 and the landscape of fitness and, you know, how, how um, I think health and performance is is on the top of people's minds like never before really because of the pandemic and being fit is such a high priority or should be for people. Where do you see this industry going? Or if you were a 22 year old strength coach, where would your focus and attention be right now to maximize your return getting into this business? Yeah, I would probably think where, and this is the opposite of the way I thought originally and going in a niche market, I would probably think a little bit more of a generalist, number mm -hmm. one. And what I would probably think of is this whole, it's being overused this term, this hybrid idea, but I would, I'd have, we have to start to change this definition of how we think we're going to deliver what we are trying to deliver. So where, you know, you have varsity house, Things had to change where it's like, oh, the athletes came in and they worked out and that was it. Then you had them build outside. You had to build, you know, work on the app piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. I think for me, I would also be looking, and this is where I'm looking right now is outside. I do a lot of rucking, mm -hmm. right? And I do a lot, like I walk the dog every day. So minimum, we do minimum, the lowest day is two miles and I'll have 30 to 45 pounds on my back, right? With the dog. And that's, you know, on a good day, I'll do six miles with, mm -hmm. with her. I don't even count that as exercise anymore, right? Mm -hmm. But I'll also do uh, things like going on different hikes, going in the woods. But, you know, we have the, the regular dog walk. I do workouts outside now once in a while. So I think taking this idea of how do we take the workout outside of the gym and still, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I still have my... You know, in the next room, I have my trap bar deadlift and my barbell and all my kettlebells and my dumbbells and my pull-up bar. I still have to, I still want to keep doing that to remain strong. But in general, especially as I get older, I think we have to look outside of the gym and delivering it in different ways, delivering it. Like maybe that means you guys get together um, up at a, a, like a, 
a mountain, right? Mm -hmm. Go up to Bear Mountain and, and you're going to do a hike with your clients. Maybe that means uh, you guys are going to go for a bike ride with your clients a little bit more. And I, I had said this a couple of years back, I started to consult for Nike in 2014. And the first call with them was, where do you see the future of fitness? And I said, I think we're, we're going to go. I think the OCRs are here to stay because I felt like the OCRs, the obstacle course racing, was mm -hmm. the new triathlon. And I mm -hmm. think people love those. The average person loves those is because it's not just this 5K run mm -hmm. or 10K run, one thing. It's all these different things. You're in the woods. You're jumping up and down things. You're going across a river. You know, you're doing it's jumping jacks. Yeah. And, and so I think people love that idea of this going outside and getting away from the gym. And still, we still need the gym. I still strongly believe in the gym. I believe in progressive overload. I believe in, you know, the things that we can only do in the gym, but there has to be this hybrid. So you think it would be like maybe obviously gym based, but have an end goal where maybe it is experience based where you had maybe a, a six week progression to go climb Bear Mountain or a six-week progression, and maybe you were going to go, you know, we've done this with a couple of our clients where we've flown out to, to Utah, gone to Jim Jones, and done a, an FYF-type workout. It just, it culminates with something, and there's something, you can measure it, and it's something to look forward to. So that's you, where you think it is going? or Yeah, I, I really do. I really do. And I always loved, Alan Cosgrove did a lecture, maybe 2014 or 15, called The Executive Athlete. And it was really about mm -hmm. people will come into your gym and say, listen, I want to lose 25 pounds. And they do. Okay. Like, let's say four months later, they lose it. Two months later, they're maintaining, but now their level of excitement has kind of gone down. Mm -hmm. And this is where the, the obstacle course race team comes in the 5k team that we're going to train for this 5k the uh the mountain team the bike team the powerlifting team these little communities within your community right that are your building but like you said it, it has to be this how do we make fitness because when the shit hits the fan like a pandemic and a shutdown you, you still could have done some hikes to Bear Mountain with everybody, mm -hmm. social distancing, right? People might have been scared maybe in April, but by the time May and June got here, they were ready to go outside. Yeah. And there are other things we could have done to kind of keep people healthy and to keep that community going. So I think I really do. And, you know, with this competition of all these free workouts and Peloton and, you know, there though they're, they're we're always the people that are going to a gym to me in my opinion are always going to want to go to a gym they need dan to I they agree. need dan's accountability they need to see other people they're still going to be that and the more we develop that community within the community and the the sub communities i think the better off we're going to be yeah so i wanted to ask you this and You've touched upon it before on your show and, and, and us talking off the mic, but you've diversified so much over the years as an entrepreneur in the fitness realm. Being so diversified, and I know you're a huge advocate for multiple revenue streams, as am I, but I know as an entrepreneur that sometimes biting off more than I could chew hurt the one thing. And over the years, I've definitely tried to simplify where I'm trying to find unused capacity within that kind of one thing being, you know, gym business, not product based, not, um, not trying to do real estate on the side, you know, like I'm, I'm gym focused, gym consulting, gym training. And that's, that is the one thing. Did you ever feel like doing too many things inhibited your ability to make money? absolutely that's how i got to where i am now so you're 100 percent. i had you know i had strength coach podcast which is not that big of a deal in terms of time in the month mm -hmm. okay and two episodes a month and then i opened my gym in 2008 five iron fitness and i started a new membership site strength coach strength and conditioning webinars.com it's when go to webinars just came out i was helping 
Mike behind the scenes at strengthcoach.com. I, I was doing all, and then I started semi-private at the gym and there were all these things. So yes, I was juggling and that's where I lost the focus from that perspective. I do like this idea of a niche. I think it's, it's generalist to specific to starting to generalize again. So I think that's kind of the hourglass that we need to be right. in almost where you start out as a generalist and you start to figure, okay, let me, let me become an expert in this. But then there ha like, once you start, like I, I assume you guys had that gym varsity house dialed in pretty well. You know, you, you have employees, you, you're not doing the same things you were doing from the beginning. It's obvious. And then you have your consulting business, right? That you're also doing. Mm -hmm. So there are ways to, once you get that niche, you became an expert to kind of, you know, subcontracted or, or outsource certain things to allow you to free up that time to be able to do some other things that are hopefully they can still be in the fitness business. Like I had the gym. I didn't mind having the gym. Although eventually I sold the gym, right, and, mm -hmm. and, and dialed everything down. But those things are still fitness-related, but they're different. So I had strengthcoach.com, bodybyboyonline.com as a partners in those, Strength Coach Podcast, training people a little bit, the book, my coaching group. So those are all things that if we shut gyms down, I was still able to operate. If the right. internet went down, I could still train. So they're related, but so you got to – be strategic about it, about finding those other revenue streams. Um, so yeah, I mean, or if you know your significant other, uh, maybe I thought I think John Goodman wrote a post today about how his wife decided to really get involved in real estate. She went deep, and now they have a couple buildings with like fifteen tenants, like small small apartment houses with. Right. And so it could be the start of another empire. So he's part of that, but she's taking control of that. So that's another way to have that additional revenue stream as a family. Obviously, right now, what you've been through with your son, right? right? That was obviously uh, everything that, that happened. That takes precedent. Of course. Right? Uh, and, but, but when things level out, then great. Now you can get back on track for something else or she can help you maybe uh, at that point. So there's, there's just different creative ways that I think we need to look within we same, but different. We've also, we've talked to, and I know your relationship's close with Mike Boyle. We've had him on the show as well. And an interesting point that I will give credit to Mike on this is that he's teamed up with people like yourself to do I don't, and, and he mentioned on the show to do, let's call 80% of the lifting on a project with him coming through with his expertise and putting his stamp on that product and endorsing that product and doing what needs to be done. Like, Hey, Anthony, I'm not going to press record. I'm not in charge of finding the new LLC, the website, this and that. I'm going to come along and do two one hour conversations with you. And that's going to be my contribution to this business. And if you can do that, then that's great. And I know I'm sure at this point in your career, you've had the ability to do that and you've had other people help you do some of that heavy lifting. So, you know, to your point to a young listener, cause you know, look, you, you hear, you see some people that like, Hey, they don't have a full book of training and they start a podcast. That's that to me, that's not what I would do. Right. I don't, I don't, think that that's a that's a wise decision it's it's to maximize what you're doing before you start doing something else would be my advice absolutely i had a bartender my first bar gig 1986 you probably weren't alive oh it's the um, year i was born okay there you go. <laughs> so i'm 19 and i was a bar back okay so i was the guy that like you know, there was, there was six bartenders behind this bar and they all, you know, I had to fill the ice and we had to get the, uh, the glasses and wash the glass, make sure they had everything they need. And I would always say like, Scott, teach me how to bartend. And he's, and he's saying his, uh, you know, in his Yoda voice, like, 
master one craft at a time. So I agree with <laughs> yeah. you 100%. That's why I said you have to be a generalist, then get your niche. But like, yeah, master that craft. Like you said, your book's full. Cool. You can, can you scale a little bit? Can you help people? Can you outsource some things? And then move on to another project that's going to be, that's going to help you. That's going to be within your mission. That's going to be part of what you want to do as a, you know, as a, as a human being. Yeah. So if you were giving advice to yourself, when you first broke into the strength and conditioning industry and you could redo one thing, what would, what would that be? How would you change the, the, the trajectory of your career? If you could. Yeah, I, I think I rejected a lot of the, the marketing. I have a marketing degree, by the way. That's what, you know, I, I learned, you know, I didn't learn internet marketing, but um, obviously the internet wasn't around when I got my degree in 1991. But so I think with me, I rejected a lot of that for the, the sake of integrity, right? Um, and, and so I probably, I, I have a saying where people said, what would you tell your younger self? That was the big question, right? It's always a big question. And for a while, it was dream big, dream bigger. And then I thought, you know what? No, I did dream big. I did say, I'm going to have uh, this million dollar facility and I'm going to, you know, make this much money on this site and whatever. But that I did dream big, but I didn't execute big. And that's where the mistake is in having too many, you know, uh, balls in the air is that you're maybe you're dreaming big with like, I can juggle six balls, but you can't master that you can't execute really big so i wish i like for example strength and conditioning webinars should have been a lot bigger i made my money back in the first plus in the first month no problem had the site for a couple of years and it led to strengthcoach.com so i dissolved it kind of merged the two so it was worth it it was great i mean i made good money on it but i really felt like that was an idea that was way ahead of its time. It's right when GoToWebinar came out, right? So Big time. I said, and I had the connections. Uh, and if I didn't have the connections, Mike knew them, you know, so I can get people to do the presentations. And so that should have been a lot bigger. I really should have pushed. I should have executed a lot bigger, but I had the podcast and I had, so I had a couple too many balls in the air where I, I really should have outsourced earlier and I should have executed a lot bigger on that. So I think that's a big problem for me in, in the past is I'm, I'm an idea guy. I'm a dr big dreamer, but then when it comes down to it, I can do it. And, you know, I would also say, get those partners. Mm -hmm. Don't do it alone. Cause a lot of times I try to do a lot of stuff alone. Do you think to that point, do you think that you could still have an ownership in five iron fitness? Like, do you think you had to, I, I mean, look, I know you were able to sell it and you were able to make some money, but do you think that you could still be the idea guy or, you know, maybe a brand ambassador for that gym? Could that yeah. have still happened? It was. And I didn't, I did not execute five iron properly either. That's exactly it. Like, I was on the verge of doing it. I had a couple employees and, <coughs> excuse me, I started to branch out. So I had five iron and what I was doing was becoming the official golf fitness provider for some country clubs. And that was, that, talk about scaling, right? Cause I don't, I don't pay anything. I just send my guy there and it was great. And the, my main guy, his mom got sick again, she had cancer. And he had to move back up to, you know, a couple hours away to Albany. And I lost him. And I got so frustrated with, oh, we've been doing, and it wasn't against him. Obviously, his mom was, you know, going through that stuff. And I, I had done so much training and I had done so much work and trying to find somebody again. And I just took over that work. Mm -hmm. I became the technician again. And that's where I 
that might have been a blessing, by the way, because a year and a half later, I, I saw, I think I was getting burnt out from the whole process. And that's when I decided eventually I, I need to get out of this and do what I, what I really, what's my, what's waking me up in the morning. But yes, I should still have five iron downstairs and somebody, two other people running it. I didn't do, I didn't execute on that correctly. And that's what I mean. Execute bigger. Right. I should have thought bigger on that and I, and I, and, or execute bigger on that. And I didn't. Right. Got it. Awesome. So what, where are you at now? I mean, I know that rucking's become a huge thing for you. You have yeah. a huge presence on the internet. You have the book that's rolling. Um, besides rucking across the United <laughs> States, what, what's next for you? What's, what's going on? What's the next big idea? Yeah. You know, I'm actually, um, in the middle of some changes right now again and the rocking i've been doing for a few years and i just started like an instagram rock because i'm doing like a little testing because i actually um we didn't really announce it yet but i i'm getting out of shrinkcoach.com not the podcast the podcast is actually going to be bigger than ever uh, over the, by the way, we've got a couple more, two new segments coming on, uh, Exos might come back on, nice. uh, that type of thing, but I will be moving away from strengthcoach.com and bodybyboyonline.com and, but I'm still going to be part of it. All right. So, uh, but I have time to kind of redefine myself, I guess. Got so it. that's where the rocking pieces come in with, uh, with my Instagram, uh, that, that I'm doing and just kind of doing rocket three, six, five, and mm -hmm. just playing with that, you know, and part of it is because I'm starting to feel like, you know, I really, I do this every day and I absolutely love it. And it's in line with helping people. I, you know, I want to help people get in shape. And I saw what happened with, you know, when the gyms got shut down and, and so I love what it represents and kind of going back to what I've, was talking about before with I feel like fitness needs to go outside a little bit as well kind of uh, um, accept that what's happening accept that that we need to have apps and people are going to work on their phone and work from home and work at another gym whatever um, but we need to accept some of these things and so for me I'm just kind of playing around with what that looks like for me um and and what the next step is but i was going to do uh the next like kind of a series of be like the best books the next one was be like the best gyms but we better I, be included man yeah yeah that one <laughs> we is, better be included <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in it already nice. i have my list i have my nice. list but the problem is right now is i don't want to do it right now because still might be some gyms that we see fall off even yeah. the good ones. Yeah. I mean, look in California, they're not even open in LA it's for crazy. eight months. It's, it's crazy. So, so I'm that, that, that project's on hold and, and I'm not really in a rush for any of that, but did you, so when you, um, when you wrote be like the best, you know, did you actually go see a lot of these people or you did it via zoom or like, how did you conduct some of those interviews? I actually have your, I have your book on my desk right now. Nice. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, they were all interviews. And really what happened is, I mean, when I sold the gym and knew I needed to have a, a, a platform for all my different, you know, the different educational stuff that I was providing, the podcasts and the other podcasts that I was doing and Train Coach TV and a couple other things was I wanted it all in one place. And that's where my website or my company Continue came about continue your education. So at continuefit.com, I needed a lead magnet. The lead magnet, I said, what do people know me for? They know me for the interviews. And what, am, what, have, I, what have I not talked about on the Strength Coach podcast? I don't really talk about success or personal growth. And I said, what is my mission? My mission is to help people, fitness professionals become successful, make an impact in the world. What can I do? I'm going to do these five interviews on success with Mike Boyle, Ron McKeefrey, Geraldine Cooper-Smith, Don Saladino, and Alan Cosgrove. Five people that are in the same business, but are in different kind of sectors. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, wow, this would be a good, after I did it, I said, I should really make this a PDF for people to, you know, be able to read it. And then I thought, wait, that would be a good book. Let me call 45 more people and do it. And 
So that's really where it came from. And, and it wasn't, it was just success in the fitness industry. But what happened was when I was editing it, I knew I needed something else. What am I, what am I going to make? What's going to be different about this book? Like then uh, tools of Titans that, you know, besides the fact that I felt like what's, what was the problem with tools of Titans? And it's great. Don't get me wrong, but he was talking to, I'm here with Tony Robbins at the white house. It's right. Like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really, it's not relatable. Right. Yeah. It's not relatable. And, and so I wanted people that were re- relatable. And so really um, for me, I said, what else is wrong with a lot of those books? They don't really give you action steps or specific things you could do right there. Instead of saying, Hey, go out here and do this. No, you know, you have the workbook right there that you just showed. We can just write it, write the workbook, right in the workbook. We can write the the drills. So for me, it was like I was doing Mike's editing Mike Boyle's interview, and I was thinking, what can I do different? Mike had said one of the keys to my success was writing and speaking. I think everybody should start writing as much as they can and go out and speak as much as you can. That is the key to my success. People started to hear my voice, so I said, all right, I'm going to do be like Mike go out, try to write as much. And then I thought, oh, that would be kind of cool. After each interview, I'll do a be like, be like Dan, be like this one, be like that one. And then that's where be like the best, the title came from, because that wasn't the title originally. It wasn't only until after I started editing and came up with that idea for the action step or challenge after each interview that that came about. Yeah, it's awesome. So this is a self-serving question because Mm -hmm. I've taken the advice and at Varsity House, myself, Joe, or one of our other coaches has published an article pretty much every Friday for like years at this point. Uh, we populate our website, um, we've grown our email list, and there's some articles that got more traction than others. I said, you know what, like, I'm going to write this as an ebook. So I took an 800 word article and turned it into a 40 page ebook and saw some traction. If, if somebody wanted to take an article that got traction or take an ebook that was, you know, PDF just published on their website and they wanted to make it into a, you know, a hardcover, you know, a bound book. What's that process like? I mean, to get published, to self publish, because I think it's a goal, not necessarily to, to, make money. I'm sure you wanted to make money. That's not the question. It's, I think it helps build authority, right? Like if you own a gym and you write a book on kettlebell training and why it's good for fat loss. I mean, it's something, it's a memento that you could gift to everybody that comes as part of their onboard process. Hey, you know, our head coach here wrote a book on, you know, fat loss with kettlebells and here it is. And it's a bound book and it's just, gyms don't do that. So how, how does somebody go about doing something like this? You know, it's funny. Uh, Be Like the Best, the actual book is from On Target Publications. So having the podcast and hearing my voice all the time, Laurie Draper knew who I was. She was a fan of the show. So we developed a relationship over the years. And then when I came up with this idea, I said, hey, Laurie, I already did. All the interviews are done here's the book, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, I love this idea. Great. That was number one. So I I don't have knowledge into that self-publishing process, but what you just picked up, the Be Like the Best Workbook, that is from Amazon. Okay. So Lurie just typesetted it, right? That's it. She set that up and she gave it to Amazon. And that Be Like the Best Workbook is really an on-demand book from amazon so that's it that's that and now i don't know the process how she went about doing it but mm-hmm. what i did was for the workbook i just took every be like and you know edited a little bit and added room for notes and i made it into a pdf sent it to larice she made sure it was you know like from an editing perspective it was fine and she put it in with amazon and now they they sell it now are you gonna like you said, are you going to make as much money? No, but I ordered 20 uh, workbooks from, and Lurie was able to get them for me for like, I don't know, 250 each because we were the, were the seller. Um, so you might make a couple dollars on it, but like to your point, 
I can order them from Amazon. They're on Amazon. I get them so I can gift them to people. Mm -hmm. It didn't cost me that much money. And Amazon isn't carrying any inventory from their perspective. So they like it as well. So I love that idea because I think Amazon, like having your book on Amazon is another kind of, Hey, my book's on Amazon yeah. type of thing. Right. It's the same thing. Like I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I couldn't quit my day job because I wrote be like the best certainly. Um, and, and, you know, it's nice to make a couple dollars on it, but look, I, the bottom line is people like, you know, I've gotten a lot of interviews because of it. Right. I mean, for, it increased my brand awareness and my authority. How do you, how do you get into a place like Barnes and Noble? Did you try exercising that? That wouldn't be up to me. Yeah. So that's where, you know, this is talk about outsourcing. This is why, where Lurie comes in. That's on target publications. It's going to be hard to get into a Barnes and Noble for sure. Right. They're, they, you have to be with one of the big publishers. And what people forget is nobody really cares. Our publishers don't really care what's in your book when you bring it to them. Mm-hmm. They don't. They, they want to know You're that sell. you have a podcast for 10 years. Like Lorene knew I had the podcast, right? Obviously she knew. I, and then also I would, you know, my, in my proposal before, you know, because in case Lorene didn't want to do it, I was like, okay. I have 10,000 listeners to the Strength Coach podcast. I have, you know, 6,000, 5,000 followers on Instagram, 8,000 followers on Twitter and, you know, whatever, whatever those numbers are. So the more you build and somebody just called me, actually one of your girls, Charlene. Charlene Richardson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just talked about the book and I said, Charlene, look, no one really cares what's in the book. You know, from a publishing perspective, from from a publisher, the, the consumer, you know, that's a different story. But your idea is good. I guarantee you your idea is good. You're worthy of writing the book. But from a publisher's perspective, they want to know what you are you going to do? If you go on my Instagram at, at Aunt Rena, you'll see that I do quotes from the book. And I've done two for each person. And I kind of recycle those. I mean, that takes me that I did those. The publisher didn't do it. Larry's busy doing other things now, you know, she can't, they're not a machine. They're a small publisher. So you have to be able to market that book on your own. You know, uh, Brendan Rierick, we were going through this process. Uh, He was going through it right after me and he called me a bunch of times and about it. And that's where all the contests came from. And, you know, you want to like, gather some names and you know you want to you want to co- find creative ways to be able to do that do, do you think though if you went and got this bound at a local print shop and you got uh, let's say 2500 of them printed and you had them on your website would if somebody was doing it to make money do you think you would have been able to fulfill that on your own without a publisher no no okay no 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 i would have i the only thing i would have done is the on-demand thing from any publisher, right? To say, or somebody that's, you know, down to a hundred, you know, like a hundred copies at a time. I would have made sure, even though, you know, we want to dream big. Right, of course. Make sure, you got to make sure that, you know, you're going to, you're going to do those things. If you look, that guy, uh, if you know, Alan Stein, he was in my book as well. He wrote a book called Raise Your Game. Mm-hmm. He does, I mean, that guy is relentless with speaking gigs and that's another thing. So every time he speaks, he's going to sell some books, right? So there's a lot of different avenues that you need to make sure you have covered before you decide to write that book, because you're going to have to do a lot of the peddling. Absolutely. So outside of your own book, what's been, uh, what's a must read book? You, you probably have a few for somebody that's in this, in this game. What, what, what would you recommend in terms of a top read? Wow. Um, I love Donald Miller building a story brand. Love it. All his stuff is awesome. And Donald Miller, really quick for anybody that doesn't know him, he does something in building a story brand that's brilliant. And, it, and I think it could be done for more than a website. It's the grunt test, right? Remember the grunt test? So if I open your website in five seconds, can I answer these three questions? What is it you do? How can you help me? And what's my next step in five seconds. So for example, if it says, you know, you know, we help youth athletes become the best they can be. And then there's that little yellow box that says sign up here. You know, 
I know what you do. You help youth athletes. I'm 53, so you're not going to help me. I'm not going to you. So I, I, right, I know right away, okay, you help youth athletes. Boom, done. Uh, but if I'm looking for – I love the grunt test, and I think that's that the whole elevator pitch idea, right? I think we should all know in a, what is it that I do. I try to help fitness professionals become successful and make an impact in the world. You have to have those type of lines. People ask me, what is, it, what is it that I do? I could say, I have a fitness education platform. I help fitness professionals become successful and make an impact in the world. I own Five Iron Fitness. Improve your golf body, improve your golf game, right? right. What is it that I do? You know what I do. At Five Iron Fitness, that's my name. You're probably not going to come to me for basketball. But when you see improve your golf body, improve your golf game, you, and you see a picture of somebody working out in a gym, Right away, you know, what do I, boom, click here for a free consultation, bam. I think everybody should learn that because the marketing aspect of what you do is so important. We have to market so much. So I think that is a really important book I, um, from, the, from that perspective, from the business perspective. I think any of the Seth Godin marketing books are amazing. I love that book, Joey Coleman never lose a customer again. And it really, it teaches you to understand about how important that those initial contacts are that first 90 days, he says, or first hundred days, I forget, but that's really important. I think anything to do with speaking and communicating, um, like uh, I forget the name of uh, the guy, Michael Port wrote this book. Uh, oh, I forget the name of Michael Port's book, but he, he, he talks a lot about public speaking. So that's another thing for me that I think is super important. The idea, the ability to communicate a book like Nick Winkleman's language of coaching transcends really just fitness. It really does. Cause it teaches you to communicate. Brandon Rarick's new book on coaching rules is brilliant. Cause it's so simple kind of, modeled after food rules, Michael Pollan, like real simple. Hey, here's the 104 rules you need, uh, get you right to the meat of things. But I think you notice I didn't say super training or functional training for sports, right? right? I mean, those are the things that that's the relatively easy part. Well, that's the, and this is, that's the barrier for entry, right? Is that we all study those things in the beginning and we're all getting our 10,000 hour rules and we're all going to perform better summits and hammer strength summits and going to learn the X's and O's of strength training. And like for a lot of us, that's what we enjoy doing. I would do, I would do it anyways. I mean, to circle back to one of your points with the go ruck 365, I'm interested in fitness. That's why I'm here. The other day I was on a webinar scrolling Instagram, like, Oh, what's Anthony doing? He's like, Hey guys, <laughs> you know, this is you. I did 200 pushups today, 10 pushups at the top of every minute and did one mobility exercise. I'm like, man, I didn't do shit today. That's what I'm about to do. So like I'm getting influenced with fitness information because that's what I'm into. But when I wanted to start becoming a better salesperson or better at internet marketing or how to build a story brand because my, our website was, you know, just hardcore pictures of people working out, but no action to buy. It was, that's what, that's what had to improve. And that's what we had to start reading about. And, you know, just starting to understand the touch points of customer service and why they're so important. And some of the retention strategies that you could do to build in at 90 days, because that's when we were losing the majority of our clients. Um, these are the things that, and you said it earlier is that you were, I, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that marketing maybe put you off because you didn't want to water down the brand. And I think a lot of strength professionals are like, oh, I'm not a marketer. I'm not yeah. telling you to be a marketer. It's, it has nothing to do with it. If you don't make money in this game, you're not going to be in it anymore. So, and I think the attrition in our industry is super high. And um, typically people have to get better at building the story brand, becoming the go-giver, and also being accepting of knowledge from experts in those fields. I know for me, when I was 25, I was like, yeah, whatever, whatever. All that matters is the results of our clients. Where now, it's I know that 
all that matters is the leadership of our team and that our systems and processes are constantly being, they're fluid and they're constantly being um, improved upon. Absolutely. And you know, for me, if you didn't want to do any of that, the number one thing I would say is be present, right? And that's one thing that I think in this industry, people have a problem with. And to go back to the, we're talking all this about marketing. I wrote an article uh, called um, Stop Worrying About the People on the Line for strengthcoach.com because when a lot of these done for you marketing programs were coming out and a couple of people that I knew were using them and they were so focused on marketing that they weren't focused on retention. I was like, you got the people are coming in. Stop worrying about that stuff now. And it comes from the bar business. I worked in a lot of trendy bars for, that I opened for celebrities in the late nineties and early two thousands. And we, I, oh, I worked for this one celebrity who had a bunch of bars and hotels. And so we were always the hot bar, right? So I would, we would get crowded. And at a certain point I would say, Hey, if Dan, you were working the front door. I would say, Dan, hold the door. Don't let anybody in right now. And I would walk around. How's the heat? Can I walk around? Is, are my bartenders in the weeds? Are my waitresses in the weeds? Are they going nuts? Or are they talking to each other? Can I walk around? Is the music too low? So did I, I have to make sure that atmosphere, because these people are here. I don't care about the people on the right. line. That those people are doing nothing for me. These people are already here with dollars in their hand mm -hmm. wanting to buy a drink. So stop. And then they would say, hey, I got a line. I'm like, great. I don't really care. Right. Hold off. And then I would let, you know, the, the, the couple people leave. Let's say I would let 10 people leave. And I'd say, all right, give me five. Because the bartenders are fine now. I can walk around. And I turn the music up a little bit. Great. The, 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 the air is fine in here whatever it is, but we're so worried about the people on the line that we forget about the people inside. And if you're just present with those people, you're going to go so much farther. It's great advice. It's great advice. Well, Anthony, as always, I have a huge page of notes. Uh, every single time we, we talk, I get suggestions from you that, that truly have influenced uh, me and, and, and my career, even if it's been from afar. And uh, hopefully um, in, the, in the near future, when it warms up again, maybe you, we, we could go out and, and, and hit around a golf. Maybe we'll pull uh, TJ and, and Joe. We'll, we'll go hack it around. We're not nice. much of a golfer, but maybe you could help it's us okay. with our game. <laughs> I'm, not that much, no, I'm not much of anyone either. <laughs> But uh, we really appreciate you being on the show and taking the time. And before we let you go, where can people find you and connect and all that good stuff? Yeah, Instagram is two, two accounts, AntRena, A-N-T-R-E-N-N-A. That's just my main uh, one for Be Like the Best and, and you know, strengthcoach.com. I started the new one, like you said, Rucket365. And my website is continuefit.com. So. Awesome. Well, Anthony, thank you so much again for your time and have a great day. We appreciate you. Thanks, Ann.